What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As you can tell, we got a little something special going on today. Blake, unfortunately, could not be with us. So joining me as my illustrious co-host is none other than Jeremy. Um, His reputation may precede him for some of you critical role people out there as Jeremy has guested on our show over there before, but I think this is the first time he's made an appearance on our Worlds Beyond discussion. So for those of you new to Jeremy, <clears throat> he's just a seat filler, but we'd never say that to his face. Um, Yeah, just Blake couldn't be here, unfortunately. We tried to make it work, but we still wanted to, of course, get something out before the next episode of Worlds Beyond comes out. So Jeremy's filling in, and... um. As you can tell, he's not much of a talker, so this episode is going to be a bit different from our normal episodes. We won't be having our typical um, discussion, Blake and I, obviously. Um, but so instead, I'm still just going to do the recap, like always, and then that'll pretty much be it for this episode. Um, <clears throat> there were some juicy things in this one, uh, so Blake and I did decide that we want to try to talk about some of the most um, interesting things from this episode in our next episode's discussion. So hopefully not a total loss. We'll still get to hit on some of those cool things. And um, like I said, still doing the recap as normal. Might even be a bit more in-depth since that's all I got to handle today. So bear with me on that. Um, Other than that, trying to think. Um, Announcements, pretty much just the normal stuff. You know, be on the lookout for our CR discussions. Although they did announce today that there will not be a Critical Role episode this week. Uh, Apparently they had to break the emergency glass for a sick day situation and they're going to be doing a Baldur's Gate live stream instead so that'll be fun for those of you that hadn't heard that yet um that will be taking place this Thursday um as always join our discord um there will be a link down in the description below we always want to have more worlds beyond fan or just you know more nerdy people to chat about the things we love with so come hang out there we'll be um kicking off our Sunday fun day watch parties again very soon it's always a good time and other than that, um, Jeremy, was there something else? I really feel like there was something else. Um, maybe it'll come back to me. Uh, oh, Games Done Quick. Games Done Quick is a marathon. You maybe have heard Blake and I talk about this if you tuned into our uh, Friday live stream or just in another video. But um, Games Done Quick is a week-long marathon, charity marathon, that is taking place this week. It started Sunday, and it's going to run 24-7 until next Saturday night. Now, if you're not familiar, it is a speedrunning marathon, and all that is is people who play video games and beat them very fast. So masters of their craft, the absolute best players of these video games there are, they use glitches and just pure skill to beat games as quickly as possible. So for 24-7 for the next week, um, people are going to be playing different video games and absolutely destroying them all in the name of charity for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. So it's a good time. It's a great cause. You can find it over at Twitch. Um, Games Done Quick is the name of the channel. Uh, It it legitimately is one of my favorite weeks of the year because I love nerdy stuff and this is just peak nerd and it's nerds doing good in the world. So what is there not to love? Definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, We even made a channel for it over in the Discord for anybody that wants to chat about it. Um, So highly, highly recommend. And with that being said, I think that's all we got. Um, Also, y'all, bear with me if I mute the mic since since I'm the only one here. I got really like no one to throw to. So if I need to cough or clear my throat, 
might just mute for a second. Um, but anyways, let's get into it. So if you're new to us here, we like to do an in-depth recap before we jump into our discussion. And again, there will be no discussion this week since I have uh, Jeremy and not Blake. Um, but we do cut the recap out and I will be doing that again here and we'll throw that up separately on YouTube just for your convenience. So if you happen to find yourself just on that recap video, but you wanted to see the full podcast or the full discussion, it will typically be linked in the description. But again, not this week because this week is only a recap. Anyways, without further ado, <clears throat> let's get into it. Episode, I want to say 19. Let me scroll up in my notes here. Episode 19 of Worlds Beyond Number Kith and Kin. All right. So the episode begins in the morning in the Tower of the Glove, which is the name of Suvi's tower, where she um, is asleep in her study. And Ame is also asleep in the guest quarters, and she's already made the place her own. Like, she's fully made a nest of it. You know, trinkets, pillows, blankets, the lot. Um, so Ame wakes up first, and she finds a few poems written by Suvi's ink demons, one of which is this, like, key to wizardly grammar, um, which actually will serve as a um, re-roll for one arcana check of her choice, a one-time use made by Enzo. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, Ursulan uh, was actually not sleeping in the tower. He was sleeping at the training grounds just in the grass. So, he wakes up, makes his way back to Suvi's tower, and finds her in the study asleep, um, scattered amongst all this research and notes that she had been diving into from her parents. And uh, Ursulan, taking a look at this, notices um, two names, the names of Suvi's parents. And he also notices mention of a badger, uh, excuse me, badger in the Battle of Starling's Ford. Um, <clears throat> so those things obviously interest him and he takes a closer look. Um, and he thinks that since he sees Suvi's parents' names, that the magic of the name cloak ceremony might end or cease upon death. So he learns that... Um, Soft was a conjurer and that there are lots of drawings he did of the spirits and he traveled to the spirit world or what he called the near spirit, which is a term that is unfamiliar to Ursulon, but he gleans that um, it's what humans refer to as the spirit world that is closest to Yamora. So he sees that um, also amongst these notes that Soft was disciplined when he was young, uh, for accidentally releasing a bunch of the bound spirits within the Citadel. And some of these spirits, Ursulon doesn't even recognize, like he's never heard of them before. Um, and not just like in name, but like in type. Um, at this point, Ame has woken up and makes her way up to the study to see Ursulon and Suvi. And Suvi is waking up at this point. She had a long night, obviously, of research and study and discovered that her mom um, originally was studying under the name Chandri Newell. And was going to join the College of Divination. But that was before she was dismissed from the Citadel. And then she got dismissed. A few months later, she got readmitted. And at that point, she joined the College of Abjuration. Specifically on the study of like metamagic. Like the study of magic itself. Like spells, counterspells, dispelling, all that jazz. And um, it's at this point that she had accused... Or <clears throat> the incident here. Uh, so not at this point. Before when she got dismissed was because she had accused one of her teachers of treason, the wizard Sleep, we find out. And um, there were just records of this, and that's what Suvi was pouring into. Um, so she finds, uh, related to this, an open letter that her mother had sent like to the Arc Magi just about the situation. 
Um, and the final portions of the letter are as follows. Of the three metaphysical axioms put forward to the mages of this citadel, the axiom of interpolation, mediation, and proliferation, this third axiom does not describe any actual truth of the lingua arcana, nor does it more broadly describe any facet of the greater binding. Rather, this axiom is pure intellectual technology that serves a political purpose within the citadel. Given as magical writ for the expedition of citadel convenience, the ramifications of this being made magical law sully every instance of the lingua arcana that it touches. It is a danger to the future of wizardry when the convenience of its acceptance have long since passed, or it will be a danger to the futures of wizardry when the convenience of its acceptance have long since passed. The ripples of its effect on magic itself will still be felt. Should the Archmagi see it in their wisdom to reverse my dismissal, I will be happy to walk them through how I discovered this stain on the face of magic itself. Good day, the wizard Chandri. <clears throat> so Suvi, you know, understands where she got it from. So Brennan then describes that the axiom of interpolation and mediation are simple laws that are taught to all young wizards about the broad truths of spellcasting in general. Things that are true across spells, even in different schools of magic. The axiom of proliferation is that the more times a spell is written down, the weaker that spell becomes. So the more a spell is in spell books, the more wizards teach others about the spell, the weaker it is. So Suvi's mother thinks that this is not a part of the lingua arcana is in, and is in fact a stain upon it. So, <clears throat> you know, she's telling her friends this and she also found a bunch of um, love letters between her parents uh, from when they were young. And through this information, she gleaned that um, her mom was like always getting frustrated about large things and her father was getting like frustrated about smaller things. Um, so they were going to have a good match. Uh, she also found out that her mom was friends with the artificer Galt um, and that there wasn't much communication between her mother and her father when she when her mother was dismissed. She finds references, though, in their letters of a trip to a city called Cairo. And there's a note where her mom says that finding that would be like finding the Antivoli. And uh, then Brennan basically describes like what the Antivoli is in the context of this world to, you know, Lou, Abria, and Erica. So we get a little bit of a timeline here. 1423, the term lingua arcana is coined. 1440, the first college of summoners is formed. 1456, the third college of summoners and the conclave of Magi is founded in the city of Cairo. This is around the same time that the term like wizard became a thing. Um, in 1464, the Saraz Imperium approaches the conclave in an offer of support. And at the time, there were two major factions in the conclave, the awkward, the awkwarditi and the Antivoli. So the, I don't know if I'm saying this right, the awkwarditi, which don't feel like that's right, but that's what I have written down. Their philosophy was that the lingua arcana should belong to all people and that they wanted to accept the Sarah Imperium's help in order to like spread the knowledge of this to the world. However, the Antivoli were on the opposite side of things. They did not want to accept the Sarah's help. So this caused a massive split, a massive debate. And in three years time, there was... Um, this came to a boiling point, which was known as the Cataclysm of Cairo, which was a violent conflict between these two uh, parties. Um, the Antivoli was defeated, and three years after that, in 1470, the creation of the Irian, the Tower, and the White Desert all came to be. So, <clears throat> Suvi in these notes saw that a trip to Cairo was mentioned. Um, so, you know, she's trying to just connect these pieces in her mind. So... 
At this point, Suvi kind of like fully awakens. Uh, I, I mistakenly said that she was telling all this information to Ursulon and Ame. That was incorrect. This was just kind of, we were getting filled in on what um, Suvi had studied. So at this point, Suvi is waking up and notices Ursulon and Ame in her study. Um, Ame tells her that she is going to go see Pomeroy. And uh, Suvi's like, well, I can go with you. And Ursulon's like, yeah, I want to come as well. So the three head out. Um, and as they do, Suvi runs into her page, uh, Yulia. And Suvi's like, take the day off. But then she's like, actually, wait, go give me all the research you can on Caro and the Cataclysm of Caro. Um, and also go check if anyone named Ghost has arrived to the Citadel. Uh, and Ame actually asks Yulia for something as well. She wants to know if she can find all the information on the stranger, the man in black, uh, the pilgrim beneath the stars. Um, and Ursulon wants, he asks something as well. He's interested in getting a similar shirt like Yulia has that is enchanted. Um, <clears throat> but then the party heads out. Uh, they go to Zhao Court, which is the home of the College of Conjuration. And as they arrive in Gossamer Plaza, it's beautiful. There is a big fountain and in the water, there are reflections of things that aren't there as if, um, it's almost like you're looking into a portal into another place. Um, there's also, um, all of these butterflies swarming around and they actually flock to Ursulon and they, you know, are gathering on Ursulon in different places. And the way they gather actually kind of begins to form Ursulon's true form. Cause remember he is in his glamor right now. Um, and we find out that conjuration is a school most concerned with spirits, including binding them. So Ursulon is wondering if these butterflies are like bound here, or if they are attuned here or attuned, you know, maybe someplace other than the Irian. And Suvi explains that there are some in jars that serve as um, early warning systems for wizards because they are highly sensitive to movements of the spirit, um, which is why they kind of flocked to Ursulon. And in the reflection of the butterfly's wings, um, Ame looks into them and she sees herself, but in um, a like fox-like appearance, like a fox-like form. Um, so they kind of show your your true self in a way. Um, anyway, but speaking of the fox, he then jumps up and eats a bunch of the butterflies because they are real and not illusory, like most of the you know critters in this uh, in this place. Um, <clears throat> so. The crew then enters the big building that they came to and they're in like this gallery esque room with tons of different paintings on different sections of walls. And um, as Suvi's walking by, she can tell that like some of them are ancient and each one depicts like totally different things. Like one has an eight legged horse. Another has a lion with a devil's tail and three eyes. Um, another with a uh, seaside castle and four hounds that are like barking up at something, but what they're barking at isn't there. Um, and in fact, a lot of these paintings all have something that's like seemingly missing um, focuses of the paintings. And it's at this point that a voice speaks out and um, approaches them. And it's this man with paper white skin. And he says, for the reasons of safety, some things like descriptions, accreditations, or even subjects of the paintings themselves are kept aside from the portraits. Um, this is Pomeroy. He is the docent of the Kassoff collection, and he says he will serve as their guide. Introductions are made, and Ame asks if Pomeroy knew Grandmother Wren. Um, and she rolls an insight check on this because she realizes that like there is no love lost here. Like She's not getting any warmth from Pomeroy. And Pomeroy is like condolences for Grandmother Wren's passing and inside checks are rolled and they can tell that Pomeroy like 
hates Ame. Like he clearly was not a fan of Grandmother Ren. Um, <clears throat> so Suvi actually asks, like, you know, what was going on with this painting? Like, is something missing? And he says that, yeah, the subjects of the paintings can appear and disappear. Um, and the normal subject of that painting you're looking at with the dogs is a questing beast. Um, and then Pomeroy creates like an illusion to show what a questing beast is. And it's like this lanky prey animal with the snake head and tons of eyes. Um, but like leopard spots and long feet with like claws. Um, <clears throat> it's also known as a gladiscent. Uh, questing beast is just the colloquial name that knights gave it because they would seek out and quest for it like for honor. And so Suvi asks, well, where do the subjects go when they're not in the painting then? And Pomeroy says that, you know, he's not really the one to answer that. Like she should talk to some of the conjurers if she wants to know that. Um, <clears throat> and at this point, um, Pomeroy kind of like steps away and um, Ame gives a nat 20 perception. And so as he walks away, she can tell that in Pomeroy's shadow, there's like a glimpse of his true form because he's wearing a glamour and that Pomeroy is enormous. Um, she also notices that in the picture of the lion that I mentioned earlier, um, the third eye on its forehead opens up and the lion like turns to Ame and she hears in her head, this is not a kind place. And then the lion vanishes. Um, <clears throat> Ame takes a closer look at some of the paintings at this point, And she can tell that like, there's like magic woven in, to the brush strokes and their glyphs of like binding and capture here. Um, the collection, the cast off collection does not refer to the paintings itself, but what the paintings hold. Um, it's at this point that Ursulon decides to kind of like open himself up to the world of the spirits and realizes that he is surrounded by them. Um, he can hear like voices and whispers all around. And then suddenly he's fears, feels something like kind of like touch him deeply. Um, Brendan describes it as like touching a spider web and he hears a voice in his mind. It says, deep within, two floors below, I can tell you of your father, little cub, tell you of your sister, tell you of your mother, whatever you wish, these secrets I am happy to share. Ursulon asks, what is your name? It responds, long years in the world of mortals, my name you cannot have, little one, but you can call me Opalfin. I'm waiting for you downstairs. You better hurry or Pomeroy is going to roll you up and put you on the wall. So at this point, Ursulon rolls an insight check <clears throat> and is looking at that photo of the missing questing beast, and he can see a little symbol on it. And as he looks at that symbol, he gets this feeling like he's standing on the edge of a cliff, like about to be pushed over and fall forever. So like he's just getting fear about like actually being captured, like this voice is threatening. Um, and then Ursulon basically just takes off running downstairs to go look for this voice. He doesn't explain why. Um, so Suvi kind of like tries to get in his way and he just brushes her out of the way and knocks her down. Um, and at this point, Pomeroy is like walking back towards them seemingly as well. So Brennan actually asks for initiative to figure out the order here. Um, and we actually have Ame, Ursulon, Suvi is the order. So Ame helps Suvi up and they go chasing after Ursulon. Uh, and she actually tells the fox to distract Pomeroy. So the fox starts peeing on a painting and uh, Ursulon heads down the stairs Downstairs, it's more of the same, but the walls are more empty. <clears throat> so Ursulon kind of opens himself back up again, and the voice contacts him again. It says, your little fox friend is a big help. I'm at the very back. Follow the sound of my voice. So Ursulon arrives at this painting, and on it is like this figure that's like crouched like a gargoyle in a, in a throne. Um, 
a throne made of um, white marble that's covered in like these golden drapes. And in the painting is like a knocked over table with wine spilled everywhere. And in the back is like the silhouette of a city that's just on fire, like just destroyed. And again, seated in this throne is this creature like curled in relaxation with these like long wings and uh, a face covered by a like jester's mask, like a masquerade mask held by a wand. Um, And the voice says, you've been way shadowed for a long time. And the word badger, that's a funny word to find in a journal. And so they basically have this conversation where Ursulan is like, did you speak to my sister? And um, this voice is basically saying like, yes, she was here. Like she was in this collection, but she's no longer here. Um, <clears throat> so Ursulan is like, what? And, and then the voice is like, yeah, she came looking for someone um, and she had no business being in this world, but she believed that there was some purpose to being here. And what do you call that when you have purpose that is dangerous and leads you from home? And Ursulan says, a quest. And he's like, yes, I suppose you do call it that. And I'd be more than happy to tell you when she was here, when she left, and where she went. I can't tell you if she's still alive, but that's because it's a dangerous world. So how badly do you want to know the answer to these questions? And Ursulan's like, what does it take? And the voice says, to take my painting off of the wall. So Ursulan says, fine. And it's at this point that Suvi and Ame approach and Suvi is remembering what happened at Port Talon, how she like she just can't trust spirits like they're just going to do what they want to do sometimes. So she doesn't know if she can trust Urshalon here. So she actually prepares a witch bolt to cast um, using her secret of contingency, which mechanically, essentially what this allows her to do is like set a certain condition. And if this condition is met, the spell will go off. So kind of like preparing or holding a spell, but you can prep it. Um, so she does that. And the condition she sets is that Ursulon disrupts the peace of this place. Um, so we actually roll initiative once more to see how the order of these things go. And Suvi and Ursulon both roll a seven and Ame rolls a six. Uh, but Suvi has one higher dex than Ursulon. So she'll go first. Um, so she is going to like yell something out, um, as you know, as she's like prepping this spell and she just says, wait. Um, so Ursulon is moving to take the painting off the wall and, uh, Brennan actually has a pure luck check that is rolled to see if this constitutes disturbing the piece, which will then set off the spell. Um, so Abria rolls and Ursulon, uh, excuse me, uh, Lou is going to call odds or evens. And if he's right, the spell won't go off. Um, he calls evens and he is right. So next up is Ame's initiative, and she just shouts truth at the painting, casting the command spell, and she succeeds. So she asks, who are you? And we find out, like, I am Opalfind, creature of the shadow, a demon. She asks why he was bound here, um, and he says, because his aims were different than those of the wizards. And then she asks, um, or excuse me, Ursulon asks, "What, what you said about my sister, is it true? And Suvi in this moment is like, Ursulan, take your hands off the painting. And he yells at her to shut up. And um, the demon says, yeah, this, your sister was here. That is true. But I have hinted at knowing more than I actually do. And at this point, Ursulan takes his hands off the painting. <clears throat> the voice begs with him at that point, being like, are we not kin? Will you leave me here to fester? The wizards who trapped me here are cruel. They bent our world to their aims. Your sister was here. I could smell it on you. Your spirits whose woods touched the same little island out in the sea. A queen in green, a prince in blue, a lumbering bear. 
I could smell the bear on the badger and I can smell it on you. So I took a little creative liberty. I knew enough about the bear to know you probably didn't know who your mother is. And um, then Ame says, not all kin are kith. Episode name drop. Um, <clears throat> he then tells, uh, the voice then tells Ursuline, you know what that wizard was about to do to you, right? Referring to the spell. And Ursuline says, what are you talking about? It's at this point that Pomeroy comes down with the fox and basically reprimands all of them saying, step away from the, the painting. And um, Ursuline again hears in his mind, the whole time you've been here, you've been just one moment away from becoming a painting yourself. So be careful. Just the voice threatening him again. Um, <clears throat> Ame then asks Pomeroy like what his dealings were with Grandmother Ren. And he becomes cagey and won't say. And so Ame threatens him. And on an intimidation check, she gets a 21. And so Pomeroy laughs and says, well, okay, let's go talk in the cafe then. And as he does, his shadow like flickers to reveal many legs. And that's where the episode ends. Woo. I may, <laughs> I maybe got too in depth with that recap, but like I said, that's um, all we're gonna have in this episode. Uh, I'll share a few quick thoughts. The episode was awesome. I thought I was really excited to dive into some of this world building with the dates and the Antivoli. Um, a lot of juiciness there, and a lot to kind of dissect with the whole Suvi's parents thing. Um, but like I said, we will hopefully get into some of that in our next week's episode discussion. Um, but yeah, as always, y'all, um, I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, join the discord or drop some comments below since we didn't get to have a proper discussion. Maybe we can have some back and forth in the comments. Um, so yeah, thanks for bearing with me. I know I just talked for like 30 minutes straight. Um, so I appreciate y'all, uh, sticking with us even, uh, even when this bloke shows up, um, I I feel like I had something else. I've been kind of stalling for time here, but I cannot remember what it was. Um, so yeah, y'all, um, back to normal next week, hopefully. Uh, don't know why we wouldn't be. Um, and again, yeah, thanks for bearing with us. And uh, bada boom, bada bing. Check out Games Done Quick. Um, join the Discord. Pop, pop, pop. Jeremy, say goodbye to, <laughs> say goodbye to the people. We'll see y'all soon.